It is a beautiful autumn day again, isn't it today? Gorgeous fall weather. I pray that you can get outside and enjoy it just uh, as we had such a gorgeous day yesterday as well. It's not even the middle of October yet, but they're already starting to hit our mailboxes, right? You know what I'm talking about here. Holiday gift catalogs, they are there. And I know the real deluge is yet to come when we'll be pulling multiple catalogs out of the mailbox each and every day. So it was kind of a surprise to me last week when I went to get the mail one day and I pulled out what I thought was one of those gift catalogs, but it was not. It was the fall newsletter from Crossways. Now what's Crossways, you ask? So some know, some may not. Brief word of explanation. Crossways was founded more than 35 years ago by uh, Dr. Harry Went, a Lutheran pastor from Australia. And the purpose of Crossways is to teach the big picture of God's word in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, holding that up with themes that interweave and connect throughout. And we've taught just about everything from Crossways here, the intensive two-year study program, taught that. We've taught shorter courses, divine drama, see through the scriptures, and shorter units as well. We've even hosted Dr. Went here uh, for a couple of seminars. Anyway, the newsletter carried the following article that I want to share with you very briefly. It begins, follow me. When we read and hear about Jesus inviting people to follow him, it all seems pleasant and even adventuresome at first. But after several moments in conversation with Jesus, a rich young man realized what it would mean to follow Jesus. It would cost everything that he possessed, even his own life. Following implies that you are not in control of where you go, what you do, how you live. Your former life with all its earthly hopes and plans and dreams is over. When the rich young man finally understood the gravity of Jesus' call, feeling the opposing forces pulling at his heart, he walked away from Jesus. He simply did not believe that the life Jesus offered him was worth more than all his earthly wealth. Divided in heart, he walked away, a miserable man. We can walk away from Jesus also, but we cannot drown out his call. It is the Savior of the world, the Son of God, Jesus the Messiah, who is calling us. Are we ready to keep following him by faith to let him, quote unquote, ruin our earthly lives so that he can live his divine life through us. Those are powerful words. They were written by the editor of that Crossways newsletter. And God's timing is really so amazing because this comes in light of exactly what today's gospel lesson is all about. It's the story of this same rich young man 
who forgoes treasure in heaven for treasure on earth. And so our fall stewardship series, All of Life, continues this weekend under the theme, Treasure in Heaven. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. What is it like to live with regret? It can be a terrible burden, especially later in life when we are able to see life more in perspective with the consequences of choices and decisions that have been made. And it would seem that the rich young man here walked away from Jesus with a load of regret as evidenced by what we're told, disheartened, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. That word disheartened really doesn't do the original word justice here. The original word in the New Testament connotes a darkening of the sky and the landscape as a storm prepares to move in. Everything gets cloudy and obscure and dark as things change. And if that's true in the natural world, it's true in our faces as well when something disheartens us. This is the danger right here that that man faced. We face it as well. Those very possessions that we think we own can come to own us. The tables get turned, and sometimes we are not even aware of it happening. So when you get down to it, you know, what is the purpose of all of this stuff, the, these possessions in life? Ah, I get it. You know, you got to have a roof over your head. You got to have food on the table. You got to have clothes to where we have to meet the necessities of life. But beyond that, do they serve a greater and higher purpose? And the answer is a resounding yes. It's beyond merely making a comfortable life for ourselves. Today's Old Testament is very helpful in this regard. It is from that fiery prophet Amos, and it is a sharp rebuke for God's people then and now seeking comfort and ease while overlooking and even exploiting those who are in need, the poor, the vulnerable among us. It is sinful, even evil. The call from the Lord to his people is this, seek good and not evil that you may live. Rich young man, he comes to Jesus for sincere and compelling reasons. He kneels before Jesus. He didn't have to do that, but he did. His address to Jesus is one of the utmost respect, good teacher, and that good in front of the teacher was unheard of in Judaism. Rabbis were routinely called teacher, but no one was called good teacher. And the depth of his question, all of these 
indicate that this was not some fake contrived setup going on. This was the real deal. He had a serious question he wanted to talk to Jesus about. But you see, his idea of goodness is defined by human achievement. Note all the I language here. What must I do to inherit eternal life? All these commandments I have kept from my youth. His understanding of salvation is rooted in what he can do for God. And folks, that religion is alive and well 2,000 years later. You see, deep within our own fallen human nature is the twisted belief that if I am good enough, if I do enough good deeds or good works, if I keep my nose clean, then God simply has to accept me because I have been so good and let me into heaven. The rich young man is operating on an if-then basis if I'm good enough, if I do enough, if dot, 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 then God will reward me. But here's the deal. How do you know when enough is enough? How do you know when you've been good enough? How do you know when you've done enough good deeds? How do you know? And the answer is you don't. You are left in a constant state of uncertainty about your standing, your relationship with the Lord. And so Jesus invites this rich young man and us also to something different, to move away from that if-then understanding to a because-therefore understanding. You see, Mark's gospel alone includes this brief phrase, and Jesus, looking at him, loved him. <laughs> it's beautiful, isn't it? Matthew has the same account, Luke has the same account, but only Mark has that little phrase, and Jesus, looking at him, loved him. This is the truth of Jesus for each one of us here today. Jesus looking at you loved you. Jesus looking at her loved her. Jesus looking at him loved him. Jesus looking at me loved me. Do you believe this? You see, we all come with baggage into this time of worship, the stuff of life, things that have happened and gone on that we wonder about, where is God and all this. So despite what you may feel, the truth of God's word for your life today is that you are loved by God for Jesus' sake, so much so that he gave his life on the cross for you. Folks, that's the good news that makes an eternal difference. Jesus 
paid the penalty for our sin and disobedience by giving his life on the cross. And this is the game changer because it moves us away from that if-then understanding and moves us into the because-therefore understanding. Because Jesus loves me and gave himself for me, therefore I am set free from wondering and worrying if I've done enough, if I've been good enough. Because Jesus loves me and gave his life for me, therefore I am set free to turn my life, all of life, over to him because Jesus loves me and gave his life for me. Therefore, I am set free to offer the obedience of love and follow where he is leading. The specific form of sacrifice that Jesus demanded of this rich young man here is not to be regarded as a general prescription applied to all people in all places at all times. The command to sell his property and distribute the proceeds to the poor was appropriate to this particular situation, but it might not be appropriate in all. What is it that Jesus is calling you to turn over in your life that you may follow him more closely? For each of us, it will be costly sacrifice as we turn over to Jesus those things that can hold us back from the kingdom of God. This is what all of life stewardship means. Jesus goes on to say how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. How difficult it will be to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Well, you know, Truth is, we live in one of the wealthiest counties in the entire country. You know that, don't you, here Fairfax County or any of the surrounding areas? It's true. Do we regard ourselves as wealthy? Ha! Not by Fairfax County standards, no. But by the standards of the rest of the world, we are fabulously wealthy. It is true. And we must come to terms with what that means for managing God's gifts. You see, the camel was the largest animal on Palestinian soil. The violent contrast here then between the largest animal and the smallest of openings, the eye of a needle, I can't even oftentimes see that thing anyway, right? It expresses what, humanly speaking, is impossible, even absurd. But Jesus offers us hope as no one and nothing else can. All things are possible with God. 
Salvation is so completely beyond the sphere of human possibility and every attempt to enter the kingdom of God on the basis of achievement or merit is futile. But when in response to God's overwhelming gift of forgiveness and life and salvation in Jesus, we place all of life into his hands, we are assured of a treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there, there will your heart be also. This fall stewardship series is a call for each one of us to rededicate all that we are and have, all of life, to the Lord. You see, through wise and faithful stewardship, management of God's gifts entrusted to our care, the Lord is glorified and honored through us, and others sit up and take notice of that. And it becomes a vehicle to speak about the Lord with others. It becomes a living witness. In two weeks' time, we will celebrate the festival of the Reformation, and we will affirm that saving truth that we are saved by God's grace alone, through faith in Jesus Christ alone, revealed in Holy Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Scripture alone. Friends, that is our treasure. As part of our Reformation worship in two weeks' time, we will bring here to the Lord's altar our commitments for ministry in 2016. Not as something we must do, we have to do, not as a burden, but a blessing to return to the Lord a portion of what belongs to him in the first place as a first fruits thank offering for all of God's grace and goodness in our lives. And so I encourage you, after the service is over, go to your member mailbox, find your stewardship mailing there, take it with you, read over it. Pray over it and seek the Lord's face for what your thank offering will be as we return to the Lord with joy and gladness all of life. Amen.